Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Lamar. And I have with me today the Chief Economist at Access Network. Hello, Jose Fernandez. How are you? Hello, Juliet. I'm doing okay. Thank you so much for coming on today with us. The pleasure is all mine. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about Access. So Access Network is a um, standalone token economy that wishes to unleash the power of the blockchain to the unbanked. Um, What we're trying to do here is bring... Uh, finally to a cryptocurrency that connects the first world uh, full of devs and dev teams that are are creating such wonderful innovations on the blockchain and put them in touch with the people that need them most, those that don't have access to any form of banking. Um, And we're starting right now in in Africa. Oh, wow. So this is, when did you kick off? Give us a little timeline of the company and some history. Yeah, so I guess... You need to, um, to, in order to understand Access Network, you need to understand Atlas Money as well. So Atlas Money is a company based here in New York City that operates in Africa. Um, it is a branchless community banking platform for the underserved, and uh, it uses uh, blockchain to, to uh, basically, uh, and I hate using this, uh, this um, comparison, but I guess it's a decentralized Uber for banking, where we, <laughs> um, 
We allow anyone with a smartphone in Africa to become the banker of their community so that very much like um, um, telephone landlines uh, never made it to Africa. They were just too costly to just kind of like throw all of that infrastructure to try to bring those cables to rural areas and, and impoverished areas. Um, and they, they just never made it there. Um, we believe that the same, but now with uh, with the mobile phone technology, those antennas are everywhere. And now over 90% of the continent is connected through mobile phones. We believe the same thing will happen with banking, where, where branch banks, uh, branched banks, the uh, the brick and mortar traditional banks never made it to the vast majority of people in the African continent. And, uh, and now uh, we believe we will leapfrog them into the blockchain banking era because uh, with our platform, you don't need those costly infrastructures. Um, you just need a smartphone. And uh, with that smartphone, anyone with a smartphone can and some cash can open a checking savings account for their clients, for the community, the people that that uh, in their in their community they want to help, and um, and anyone with a dumb phone, a feature phone, one of those old SMS enabled phones, can become a client. And um, through uh, through that kind of relationship where you can do withdrawals and deposits and kind of like digitize your currency, uh, uh, you know, eventually you can also um, unlock loans, micro insurances, all kinds of uh, financial services. So um, this happened, uh, this uh, Atlas money began two years ago. And uh, I mean, four years ago, two years ago, uh, finally with an MVP in, in Ghana and Senegal, currently uh, with uh, reaching 20,000 um, clients, 400 agents, and, and a wait list of over 1,000 agents, that 1,000 people that want to be agents in areas that we, we still don't have a presence in. Um, we uh, we understood uh, the need of uh, going full crypto, um, and uh, instead of using the credit system that we had developed um, for our our banking platform, we uh, uh, we decided to uh, develop our own cryptocurrency, which is uh, the birth of ACX Network Access Coin, and um, which is an ERC20 token that we have created explicitly for the um, delivery of financial innovations uh, for uh, to the delivery of access for the underserved. Um, there is uh, 7.5 billion people on Earth. Uh, most of the world doesn't realize that 6 billion people, 80%, 6 billion people of the 7.5 billion people on Earth do not have access to any form of banking, not checking, not a savings account, therefore no, no loans, uh, no insurance, Definitely no credit cards, and uh, more importantly, no e-commerce. Basically, walled off the global economy. We're trying to solve that, and what better place to start than Africa? Wow, you're really bridging that gap between, you know, the, really the the old world and the new, because these people don't have access to these things, but still are providing goods and services and need a way to sell them to be in charge of their own money, and that's that's phenomenal. That is, I mean, Juliet, I wouldn't have been able to say it any any better way. Like, the key here is to give them the tools. They know exactly what needs to be done. Um, after after years on the ground and observing them, the way we we cracked the egg, I guess, for crypto of of deployment, and the way I guess for others for other MFI microfinance institutions in the area, the way we cracked 
um, uh, the uh, the way of actually empowering these communities was was not by bringing a solution, but by asking questions. We just we went there, we met market queens and chieftains, and we met we met all kinds of community leaders, and <clears throat> and asked them how how did they manage to to grow to become entrepreneurial as they all are um, without the help of banks. And and once they, once they explained to us their SUSU models and all the other different kind of like um, circles of loans and of save, saving circles, all, all these all these wonderful innovations that are very much community-based um, out of necessity, but also out of respect to each other and love to each other, we just gave them a layer of technology so that they could scale. But the innovations are all theirs, their their belief in community and in, and, and family and and their trust in each other is is inspiring, and we just wanted to to give them that kind of like that layer, that technological layer to kind of like help them bring that to the next level. Exactly, and to bring their products to the rest of the world. There's incredible artists and and sewers and things in these countries, and now their products can be on the world stage. And yes, so I. Um, Going there, I've met with and, and sat down with a lot of our clients and also a lot of our agents. Um, and and it's crazy how I remember uh, one of our one of our clients. Uh, she's a market queen for which is basically a a very communal. Um, I like to say democratic, but it's kind of like it goes beyond democracy. Democracy because it isn't, it isn't like a an actual vote. People just look for the person that. That cares most about them, and and it's the the highest own honor you can get to like just represent a group of people, and um and this market queen she represents um I, her name is Ida, she represents um, 150 women that do uh, basket weaving, and they all basket weave and and they build these beautiful uh, wonderful baskets. Um, these this is in in a, a rural area west of Tiers and and and. Senegal, and um, she she was discussing how difficult it is to kind of like she needs to fight for uh, a fair price for raw materials, but also when she sells it, and she was describing how she was selling these beautiful baskets uh, basically at, at at weight. They were being kind of like weighed in and and then being paid cents on on these baskets and. Um, and then I, she told me the the name of the person that was kind of like um, brokering this relationship between between her and, and her community and and the final distribution of these basket weavers in different stores around the world. And I looked her up and uh, found a store in London and uh, a few a few more stores. But uh, I had a meeting with investors in London and stopping on the way, I went to this store to see the price of of the basket of the baskets and and they were on the uh, they were almost on the hundred pounds a basket, and which wow. is you know many orders of magnitude beyond what they paid um, to to the actual creators. And I, I I kind of like went through the whole process of you know what what does it take to get that basket to that store? And literally the only thing that Ida couldn't do because it cost her a, a couple calls to get someone to drive a truck and get that truckload into a um, drive it to Dakar and get it into um, a container and get that container 
to the UK, the only thing she doesn't have is a bank account. That is literally the only value added that this intermediary, um, this middleman put into the system. And and I believe that's the power of blockchain, removing these middlemen that add very, very little value to the process and take so much of the profit. Absolutely. You want to reward the creators who are putting in the hard work, who are coming up with these products, and you know they don't really know that their products are being sold for 100 pounds in London. You know, they're not aware of this, and this is going to help them also be more aware of the end, the end, the end distribution of what they're creating. It, it allows them to understand their worth. They mm-hmm. are absolutely wonderful, creative individuals that are producing incredible things, and and they they deserve a, a fair treatment. Absolutely. So, so for them, how does how does it work? They have a mobile phone, or they have a regular phone. Are you working with cryptocurrencies? To give them the banking, or how's that working? Yes. Yeah, so um, again, I, it's important to identify the difference between Atlas and Access Coin. So Atlas mm-hmm. Money um, is uh, the app. Uh, I I like to I like to correct people when they say that you know ACX Network is a cryptocurrency. I see ACX Network as a token economy. We're trying to build a standalone token economy for the underserved. And then Atlas Money, they call it a bank. I, I like to call it a movement. Um, but it, it, boils, it boils down to uh, an agent having there's, – there's three individuals involved in these transactions. There is the super agent, the agent, and the client. So the client uh, can be a farmer, just a, any person, any random Joe um, that has the need for financial services. So imagine we have Ida who has to deposit or withdraw money in her account. Um, she goes to her agent, uh, let's say Felix, and and she deposits money. The moment she deposits, uh, she gives this this cash, this fiat currency, and um, to in the case of Senegal Cefa, in the case of Ghana Ghanaian City, um, to Felix. Felix puts it into his uh, smartphone, into the account of, of Ida. Ida immediately receives an SMS notifying her of her deposit and informing her of her new balance. Um, that exchange automatically digitizes her currency, puts it all safely there because in order to, to be able to operate, to actually transact, um, Felix had had to that morning or sometime before uh, gone to a super agent where we have partnerships with Barclays Bank, um, where with uh, different post offices, different uh, um, you know, gas stations, any cash heavy place where where basically um where we've we've partnered and um Felix or any other agent can buy e credit. So um what we're doing now is we're creating the system of e credit where Felix buys the e credit when he starts, kind of like replenishes his account and then he can operate with his digital currency transacting with his clients and uh he earns money um payable at the end of the month, very much like the Uber model, uh, through each of the transactions, through the attention and the service that he delivers to his clients. Um, That way also, the money is always safe because the moment Ida receives the SMS that that she's uh, deposited her amount into her her account, um, that money is now safe. It is because Felix already paid for it that morning when he went to Barclays Bank to deposit 
to kind of like buy e-credit off of us and by depositing money in our corporate account. So um, again, it's a way of getting through this kind of like two-part two, uh, two system, getting these people connected to the banking um, to back to a banking platform that is a full-fledged banking platform. Um, and through that, now we can offer them all kinds of financial services. And, and she and Ida would also be able to make withdrawals, just like a bank? Yes, just like a bank. Okay. She just needs to... Uh, to call any, uh, you know, either call us so that we can send her the closest agent. But normally, what we do, but normally, what happens is they have very personal relationships with their agents because what we look here is for agents to bank their community. We're looking for people to, you know, when you're when you're in your town, you inevitably already have people that you see every day in your bar, in your school, in your um, town hall. Uh, we want you to bank those people, the people that already know you and that you already know. And um, mm -hmm. and that kind of like personal relationship is, is very important towards the community banking that we're trying to produce here. So so normally it's as easy as just WhatsApping or calling um, the agent and saying, hey, I, I need to withdraw. And the agent is in uh, his or her best interest to go there because every transaction counts towards um, um, their uh, paycheck. Absolutely. And how important is, like, give us a little picture of, of these towns. I mean, how important is security of your money? I mean, I, I could imagine that there might be an issue with theft and whatnot, and that's why these banks are so dearly needed. Yes. Um, so definitely the safety of, of your money is very important. I have to say that uh, the vast majority, both our agents and our clients are, are women. The women are of the households normally take care of the finances of the house and they uh, they like the, the money to be safely. They understand. It's interesting how, and it's sometimes hard for me to explain to uh, to investors and other people that are not, you know, that have never been to Africa, um, how, how well learned um, the African community is with mobile money. Um, they are. They all very much understand through models that have been very successful, like for example, in PESA, extremely successful in Kenya. Um, uh, that mobile money, and again, these are very simple systems of exclusively mobile money. They don't actually do checkings or savings or loans or any other thing. They just send money through kind of like SMS kind of platforms. Um, they understand that that money is very much safe, and it's it's safer than cash because it cannot be taken away. Uh, mm -hmm. on the street or at the house. Um, but then also um, there is an incredibly important uh, culture of saving uh, in, uh, in all of the underserved um, communities. Uh, you need to understand that uh, we, most of the people in, uh, I guess, the first world would uh, say that they live in, a, in an economy that is credit-based. Uh, because we have access to all these tools, all these financial tools, there where, where credit is not an option, savings becomes a very important thing towards the future because the, the future holds many uncertainties. And the only way you can face them in case of, of sickness or, or any other um, unforeseen uh, problem is through the savings that you might have had now. So savings is really important. And having those savings in a place that is um, free of uh, theft and then also free of temptation. So uh, again, most of our clients are, are female 
and they want uh, they prefer the money out of the house so that you know it's not misused in uh, parties or uh, going out with friends. It's just it's better to have it somewhere else. Um, so they have these models even without banks. They've developed different cultures have developed different models. I I very much love the Susu model, which is basically um, women that walk around different towns with a piece of paper and they just write down the cash that you give them. And, and then in a week, they'll come back and you can give them again. And it's kind of like a, a saving system that they have where they just give to this person their money. But they're so used to things breaking down. So um, you have to understand these, these cultures are are so used to things not working. For example, they're very used to these people just not coming back after they've after a lot of people have given them their life savings. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, and now with the growth of MSIs, of microfinance institutions, um, yeah, as you know, uh, Mohammed Yunus was giving the Nobel Peace Prize for Grameen Bank, which is uh, which popularized uh, micro credit, micro, you know, uh, micro loans. Um, that that model of microfinance institution, institution became very popular in Africa, and governments were issuing certificate uh, and licenses to become MFIs very, very readily. And many of them popped around. And a day, I mean, a week doesn't go by that I don't see a news ticker talking about another MFI that crashed and took all the savings of all the people that uh, had put their money there with it. And it's not it's normally not a question of fraud, it's just a question of gross incompetence because um they are just not regarded the same way that that banks might be, uh just because the savings of these people are just smaller. Um so so yeah, they definitely uh very much believe in <laughs> the power of uh of mobile money. They believe in saving and uh and um and honestly, it's it's uh, it's an honor to see them believe in us. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, this is it's it's so important because, like you were saying, maybe their savings are smaller and 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 they're not in a real a real quote unquote bank, but it's still human lives. It's still human effort and payments that are coming through on any scale is important. What are some of the the biggest challenges that you've faced at Access Network, and how did you overcome them? So um, I guess we want to bring innovations to uh, to this community can produce at Atlas. So a big thing for us in Access Network was to create incentives for other developers to to innovate for the underserved, for them to understand that this is a, a, a huge market. Again, six billion people, the vast majority of the planet huge market up opens up for them. They might not have a lot of money, uh, but they definitely have. So there might be, there might, but there might, there might not be a huge chance for margin, but there is a humongous chance for, for volume. And, um, and, and again, while you do that, you can also help people. So we uh, worked really hard to, and we're to first in the white paper to to uh, build the theoretical basis and philosophy for all of this, but the now writing the governance protocol of it to imbue our system with uh, both an incentive pool and a voting system. So what we're what we've done is we've locked one third, ten percent of the 
the total um, token economy into a smart contract that is designed to incentivize developers to build innovations for the underserved. And we've given the tokens a uh, the, the capacity for a vote, for voting. Um, and what we're doing is uh, building an incentive system that gives the underserved, the unbanked, gives them uh, a chance to vote for what they, for the innovations they need the most, be it an API to directly connect with Etsy or or be it, uh, you know, an, a better and faster uh, inter and, and cheaper international remittances uh, service or, or whatever it might be, because every time that we, it's, it was great, actually, we at the team had, uh, we follow uh, um, movements like, for example, Humans of New York. I don't know if you're aware of this really cool Facebook yes, page. Yes, I, lo uh, I love that Facebook page. We have one for <laughs> LA too, Humans of LA. I love it. I check it every day. <laughs> well, I, I've i been a fan. I mean, I, I moved to New York City from Spain six years ago, and I've been following Brandon's story since like day one, and I was always amazed at his capacity of giving given so much humanity to the faces of all these strangers that I crossed paths every day mm -hmm. in New York City. And and his ability for them to open up in, in in the amazing way that he does. So we we thought about asking our our agents if with their smartphones maybe um they could ask their clients and, and do very short videos, one minute max videos, uh to their clients of how, what would you do if you were giving the voice, if you were given the chance of deciding the next innovation of Atlas? And, and, um, and again, giving the voice to people is such a powerful thing that we were flooded. The, the WhatsApp groups we have were flooded with videos. They're still being flooded with videos because one, the, the agents were super happy to be able to share the stories out of their clients. And then the clients were excited. They're giggly and, and, and they're really excited to be asked so, um, so we're working on trying to kind of like build these beautiful uh, initiatives into into stories because I think each one of them deserves that. Um, and and what we're and that that was that initiative was done because Access Network will try to bring that voice to them. Um, it will give them the chance to vote for the innovations they 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 believe in the most, and that. Um, the, the traction that those votes might have will will unlock a certain amount of those tokens. Uh, we'll also imbue uh, from our, our fundraise, we'll also imbue uh, Ether so that at the beginning, even devs that are not interested necessarily in access token will be interested in, in developing, even if it's, if it's only for the cash prize, and then slowly just change into an access, access coin only uh, incentive. But, um, what we're doing there is they get to vote what they want the most and the most popular requests will unlock more tokens. And then devs get to get to pitch and try to find solutions for those demands. And and then there's a final vote where they get to vote uh, which one is is better um, serving their needs. And then and then automatically the smart contract deploys those tokens to the winning team so that they can work on it. Kind of like a uh, a VC, uh, uh, a, a VC fund into a token economy that gives the power to to the underserved, and um, it's it's innovations like those. And in, in again in that in that working, there was so much love put into it. We 
we work with different models of quadratic voting, uh, different quadratic equations for the voting mechanism so that we make sure that that um, people, you know, investors or hodlers in in the first world wouldn't be able to overvote. Their votes would, would count less than those of the of uh, of the African community. And then uh, we developed different um, a system of liquid democracy that allowed for the delegation of their votes, so that the the clients that you know even first through the um, the technology problem because the USSD uh, platform is much harder to read through than a smartphone, obviously, and then the ability to read uh, the literacy in in some of these areas. And finally, the time, because they have to work a lot. All these were problems towards having them be inactive voters. So we give them the chance to be able to delegate uh, the power of their tokens, not the value, so they keep their money, but they can delegate whatever power, whatever voting power their money has, their tokens have, to the person they believe can represent them the best. So that could be their agent, it could be their market uh, queen, it could be any community leader they believe in. And then that person, whenever that person votes, um, whenever she votes, she's voting not only in her name, but also in the name of all the people that are delegating their vote to her. And uh, and again, it's liquid democracy. In, uh, instantly, whenever they don't feel like they're being uh, well represented, they can take back that delegation of that voting power from their token. Exactly. And, and this is really is all about empowering people to live their best lives and to be able to expand their personal wealth, their personal brands, and their families into into better into betterment of themselves and their lives for sure. So, what is the best way for people to get involved with your company? So, definitely, I would I would uh, encourage anyone to visit our website acxnetwork.com. Uh, there, they can find our Telegram group, which has seventeen thousand people that are. Uh, thought, very being very thoughtful in how they are um, trying to. I, I just I just particularly love the Telegram group. It's such a such a a bright group of people just trying to be very thoughtful about the ways they can add to to the um, the ecosystem. And then uh, definitely follow us on Medium uh, again in acxnetwork.com. Uh, you can find the link to our Medium, our blog, and uh, just. Uh, um, stay stay in touch. Uh, reach out uh, through Telegram. We are always welcoming any message. It's wonderful to see uh, the African community is building through Telegram their own WhatsApp groups uh, that I'm I've been added many to, and they just I guess they have a preference towards WhatsApp, and it's great because whenever we post something on Telegram, I see them posting it on just copying it and pasting it <laughs> on their WhatsApp groups and kind of replicating the conversation for those places where Telegram is just not so popular. Um, so yeah, yeah, just uh, just reach out. We're happy. We have an email as well at the uh, um, at the website. We're we're really responsive. We're always there. Wonderful. Well, Jose Fernandez, thank you so so much for joining us, and thank you for tackling this issue in our world and helping come up with really insightful and and life changing ideas. Thank you so much for having me, Juliet. Absolutely. This has been Juliet Lamar with Jose Fernandez, the Chief Economist at Access Network. Thanks for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. 
We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.